Welcome to Sober Nation FM, a podcast network dedicated to sharing experience, strength, and hope so that you may continue to live your best life of recovery. The Sober Podcast Network is brought to you by Sober Nation. Do you want to live a healthy, sober life? Sober Nation is the world's leading online recovery community. Find support, resources, stories of hope, and even an online treatment program at SoberNation.com. Live a happy life. Be comfortable in your skin and join the recovery movement. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Now enjoy today's episode. You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Hey, Paulie, what's up? No, yeah, you know, everything's fine. Hey, listen, I quit. Let me ask you a question, Joanna. What do you think of a person who only does the bare minimum? Hey, 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 what you guys doing? That's a lot of dishes to be washed. Wash them yourself, right? I retire. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Hi, this is Jamie Lisso, and welcome to episode two of the I Quit podcast, where I interview world-class performers, mostly comedians, or other entertainers that have quit something, whether it be alcohol or drugs, and discuss the tactics, tools, and routines that they use to maintain the success. In episode two, I will be talking to comedian and television host, Nikki Glazer, who just happens to be the person that got me sober. Uh, Nikki Glazer has appeared in Judd Apatow's Trainwreck, Apatow, Apatow, the Comedy Central roast of Rob Lowe. She was the co-host of Nikki and Sarah on MTV for two seasons and starred in the Not Safe show on Comedy Central. Her Comedy Central special, which I just watched, uh, it's called Perfect. It's absolutely hysterical. It's available on Comedy Central right now. Nikki talks about a lot of great topics, including the greatest audition screw-up story of all time, how beer-flavored yogurt cells prove that people don't really like alcohol, why it's better to be a 7 than a 10, how to pitch a television show, why Amy Schumer is one of the greatest people in the world, and why hanging out with her for a week in Hawaii is like body image rehab. Lots of stuff here. Why putting a picture of Pat Sajak in suspenders can make your writing packet stand out. My favorite quote from this episode um, from Nikki is, I've never gotten drunk, and then thought, wow. I'm really glad I did that. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nikki Glazer. Are we good? Oh, wow. We have the Sweet. thumbs up from Dimitri. Thank God. It's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> Better to find that shit out now than like in an hour or something. Oh, yeah. I've done that before. You just literally though said like so many things that I related to. Yeah. You love podcasts that um, you can learn something from. And ha- I have all these little tidbits where I'm like, I'm trying to think of one I just gave recently. But I've turned so many people on to podcasts that have – oh, coincidences. Have you heard of p- podcasts about coincidences? No. You're, you can be a real party pooper with this. Is that um, there's no coincidences. And people who are like, well, then I saw my dentist's daughter in Scotland and then we on the same trip I saw her in Paris. And it's like, well, actually, that the odds of that happening are a lot more than you think because, first of all, your dentist's daughter – you don't know your dentist's daughter – but you know a hundred times more people than you think you know, okay? Wow. And then extend their family, which you you know, mm-hmm. then you know uh, infinitely like more people, exponentially more people than you think you know. Right. So a coincidence that seems like a coincidence is like, yeah, of course you're going to run into someone's daughter, and then and then on a trip in Europe, well, you're in Europe and you're making all the stops. 
bound right. to happen. You're right because – and then dentist could have easily been your lawyer, your Anyone neighbor. who knows daughter oh or God. mother or brother or like there's uh, there's infinite possibilities of people you can see. Do you believe in, in coincidence at all or do you, do you believe that that is more what it really is? I think it's more – I'm more on the science side. I mean I like – I think they're impressive but – it's also like there was someone one podcast on um, oh, what is it? It's such a good one. I'm sure you, you listen to it, but uh, I'll think of it later. Um, where they they say um, you know in a field of a, blades of grass in a field, and you throw like a dart. One of those grass pieces of grass are going to get hit, and that's not a coincidence that that one hit. But like that one feels real special. Like oh my gosh! But like right, but. Something's going to get hit. Right. Yeah. You know, and like it's the same thing when they say um, – when I oh, I talk about how it's the end of times a mm-hmm. lot where I'm like I think in my lifetime I'm going to see some mass extinction of yeah. people. And people are always like, you're not going to live for the apocalypse. I'm like someone has to be alive for it. <laughs> Why not you? Why not me? Why not anyone? Like someone's – someone will be present when the world ends. I have this weird thing where I feel like you could do an entire – for, and by the way, I, I emailed you, but I loved your special very oh, much. thank you. Perfect. You know what's weird? I didn't know it was a Comedy Central special. I bought it on iTunes. And so I didn't get to watch it. I listened to it. But I'd like to go back and – Oh. I bought like the album or whatever. Yeah, I, I look great. But it's <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. Though. I think you could do an entire hour on – it could be called like Buzzkill. Yeah. Because some of the stuff I've, I've heard you on, and I love every <laughs> bit. I love the drinking stuff where you tell people it's I'm, all bad yeah. and you're not re- – you're tricking yourself. I, I get very um, – yeah, I get very – I get on my high horse about things that I'm like half educated about. And I then it. Yeah. But I, I, I just recently um, used the same method that we both used to quit drinking – to convince my friend to up update his phone to iOS 10, <laughs> he was he was he was did not, he was like I don't want to do it I'm not going to do it and I go hey listen you can be cool you can play this cool guy for a while that doesn't update his phone but eventually you're you're going to get the new phone because your phone's going to be obsolete and it's not going to work and your new phone is not going to work with old operators so you're going to have to learn it eventually might as well be now and he was like whoa you just Alan card me I was like I gave <laughs> I, I I I gave you. Any excuse you had not to do it, I proved that it's it's not a good excuse. That's really good. So the book you're referencing is mm-hmm. The Easy Way to Quit Drinking Yes, by Alan Carr. And now speaking the easy of – Easy way to stop drinking. Easy way to stop – what did I say? Quit. Oh, you're right. Easy way to stop. Quit makes it sound like it's something that you should enjoy doing. Quitting oh. is like hard. Stopping is just like, nah, I'm done. You're right. So speaking of coincidence, yeah. have I ever told you – I swear to God, I've emailed you this, but I don't know if you knew I was being serious, that you like sort of changed my life with this whole thing. Yeah. Because what happened was when you're drinking, you know how you're hyper aware when people mention drinking? Like you're just like – like I just assumed everyone was hung over all the time. Like you're just like it's your life kind of. Yeah. And I was listening to some podcast. And I was going through like a particularly – I was drinking like pretty much every night, blacking out pretty much every night. And I, I was listening to this podcast. I think it might have been – Marin, but like at Montreal or something. Right. So you were on, but it was a bunch of people. You were yes. like coming on. And, and it was an, like an offhanded comment. You're telling a story and you just said, oh, I did Montreal sober for the first time. And I was like, what? Because the last time I saw you, you, you we were both drunk. Yes. And I was so jealous. Like when I heard you say that, I was like so – I was like, oh my god. I was so envious and, and like just couldn't figure out – like, how, like I, I couldn't wait to talk to you. 
And so I, for somehow I had a new phone. I didn't have your cell phone number. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I would have called anyway because, you know, like reaching out for – it's very difficult to like reach out for. So yeah. I was drunk that night, like really, really drunk. And I take up my phone. I go on Twitter. And I saw that you followed me, and so I direct messaged you on Twitter, and uh-huh. I said, like, how the hell did you quit? Like, I'm having a little trouble quitting. And then at 3 in the morning, I woke up and was like, what did I do? And I got embarrassed, and I deleted it. So I deleted my message to you. Yeah. And so then I woke up, like, six hours after that, and there was no response from you at that time. It was a couple hours later. And then when I woke up, like, somehow you, st- you like, had seen the message yeah. and, like, answered me. And it was so bizarre because my message wasn't even there anymore. I thought, oh, maybe I got rid of it before she saw it. No, I think those just stay. You can erase it on your end. Yeah, like, what am I talking about that you can erase? A DM? Like, no. what am I t- it's like me saying, like, oh, I erase a text and then... What <laughs> yeah. I- maybe no, that was a they, they go and they... You can delete a tweet, but you can't delete a DM. But so you... And, and you messaged me about... Oh, my gosh, about the easy way to stop drinking. The best method to stop anything is this Alan Carr method. And I believe in it so hard. I mean, uh, and especially when I encounter someone who is in your position that I'm like, oh, I think he really is like done and wants to. Obviously, he's asking to be like, how'd you do it? Because if you just throw the book at people and be like, hey, you have a problem, they're not going to read it. But like that was I I could tell that you were very um, that there was a good chance you would read it and respond to it. Yeah, and I was at such a low point. I didn't even understand how DMs worked on Twitter. I mean, that's how bad things had gotten. <laughs> that's I when was, you know it's a new that's bottom. That's when, when you don't even understand. <laughs> when you think you can delete DMs. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so you recommend a book, and it sounds crazy. And I, I text you back to give myself some sort of, uh, you know, when you tell someone you're going to do something, whatever that's called. Like I, I text you, I'm buying the book so that yes. it was out there. Yes. Whatever that word is that means like accountability. Yeah. And so I bought the book and I read it, and that was I'm looking at this app I have that like says when I quit drinking, and that literally was three, almost four years ago, three point eight. Oh my god! From r- finishing the book, I love that so much. That's a long time. It's crazy, and so I get so excited because I, that day we talked, we were doing this sketch week with our friends, the sketch comedy week, and there's, yes. there's some drinking involved. And then I heard you on the podcast, and then I just watched you do all these just just awesome shit, man, like in comedy. I was yeah. so excited because at the time it was like you were always a great comic and you were always worked. But, you know, there it, it seemed like there was somewhere else for you to go. Yes. I, I mean, I just realized drinking was – I wasn't going to be able to reach my full potential if I was hungover every day. It just was – it was me putting a barrier in front of – like I, I could do it, but it would be a lot – bigger struggle but i was just like why why fuck up this opportunity right now and every all the comics that i like really respect don't drink a lot yes and that who really succeed and work hard i mean it's about working hard and drinking it doesn't allow you to work hard it's it's so time consuming it's time consuming and it it ruins not only the time you're drunk but the next day my hangovers were just – if it wasn't for hangovers, I think I still would drink. But thank God because they're the most painful thing I've ever been through and I just hated it. And I just was done with feeling bad and um, and fe- just feeling regret and like, I'm like I have enough shit to worry about. Why am I putting myself in a position where I say stupid shit and do stupid things? Right. And, and 
reading, I read his book, It's an Easy Way to Stop Smoking, and it worked like a charm. And worked on my mom, too. She smoked for 30 years. And then um, I forget how I knew about the book, but I, I guess I just like was like, what else is he doing? And then he had this drinking book, and I was like, I ordered it ahead of time. Like, I just knew that someday I was going to quit drinking because I was like, this isn't going anywhere good. So I just had it on my shelf, and when I hit a bottom, I just was like, dove into it. Wow. And so what, I was ready what, was, for it. what was a bottom for you? Like, what was something? Cleveland. That- Hilarities. I was just, I had a couple beers after the Friday night show, not a big thing, by myself at the bar. Then I went home and woke up the next day. I was supposed to go to the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame Museum and do all this fun Cleveland shit. And then I was just too sick. I couldn't get out of bed. I I almost missed the Saturday shows that I was hosting. It was a two-man show because I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat. And I just remember being in the shower and being like, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I feel like this is what you must feel like on chemo. Like, you know, when you're at your worst. And I'm like, I did this to myself. Like, I don't want to feel this way until I'm dying. Right. Again, that was my whole thing. I was just like, this is, the next time I feel this way is not going to be from drinking. It's going to be because it's the end. Right. Because this is, this feels like the end. Which is sort of it. Like, you sort of are mimicking the, the, like killing yourself. It's like a, it's kind of a poison. It's a poison. It's your body like ridding yourself of. Yes. It's so, that's so true. Yeah. I, and then I went and then I flew back to New York and I read, I just tore through that book, which you can read the book while you're drinking, which is always a very good thing for me to tell people. You tweeted that to me. That was one of your tweets. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like that was, that was the most important part of that. Yeah. Because message. it's so scary to be like, I just have to quit right now. And it's like, nope, just drink while you read it and then by the end of the book you'll just look at your glass and be like what am i doing cuz it's it's all propaganda that we are addicted to this thing and we need this thing and it's part of the propaganda of both the tobacco companies and um and and i'm not saying that it's not a hard thing to quit but it's part of their thing that it is hard to quit they they spread that that it's hard to quit drinking hard to quit smoking because then you go oh it's too hard and you keep doing it so it's like it's counterintuitive that they would say, oh, tobacco's – cigarettes are hard to quit. Wow. We make them, but they're hard to quit. But it's – they put that out there because they're not hard to quit. Cigarettes aren't. Alcohol, different beast. But I, I just felt um, – God, I just – I love that man so much. If it wasn't for his books, like I, so many of my – I've turned so many of my friends onto it and they don't drink anymore. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it was it's it was so cool to get that message from you that I had, uh, you know, because I I give the book to a lot of people or I tell a lot of people about the book, but I, it's rare that someone really does it, you know, and it's uh, it's great. It was, yeah. And I tried like so many times. Yes. Yes. That's what's so insane that I go this th- – and I, I remember going into it thinking this is never going to work. But then again, Nikki quit, so I should read it. Yeah, I I. F- Felt like someone had quit reading it too. Like it, it just the idea that someone else was able to do it. And I had tried to. I the most I had gone was twenty one days before that, and it was a the whole time it was white knuckling it. This was like easy, and it really is easy. And and the book is essentially for those of you who are like, what is this book? It just any excuse you have to drink. It makes me courageous. It makes me more fun. It, um, I, it's a good way to release. All of those excuses you have are bullshit. And actually, it does the opposite. It makes you more anxious. It, it doesn't make you brave. It just makes you stupid. 
And it, like if you think of it as deadening you and making you like closer yeah. to just being a duh, then it's like helps that you're just like, oh, I'm not courageous. I'm just not thinking. Yeah. And you're right. It, he makes these incredibly sound arguments for any argument that you would present. He yes. presents like you might be thinking this. And then he just with rationale and science and common sense just, just destroys everything it's you can think favorite. of. my favorite. Th- that's the best part of it is uh, – that's the way you get anyone to quit anything is to just – any excuse. You just don't – you give them a reason. No, you're just making an excuse. Procrastination. Like I wish he would have written a book about – a lot of other things. Yeah, the easy because way to I'm quit. like he he could talk me out of anything. He doesn't have the easy way to quit cake, does he? Because I know, right? I love birthday. He does cake. have the easy way to eat less or to lose weight. Really? And I read that it is insane, though. It's it like I was like, oh my god, Alan Carr's going to change my life because I have eating issues like crazy. But um, he literally is like. You should only eat raw plants and, like, no meat. But he just – he turned into, like, a weird guy who just only eats nuts and plants. And you read it and you're like, I can't try this. And then – because he talks about how it's, like, when your body – when you put processed things in it, it's like driving a lawnmower over gravel. It's just, like, has to, like, work so hard to process. And it's like, I don't right. know what I'm doing. Because you're getting rid of those enzymes that breaks it down. Like if you yeah, you're just – your body's just like, what is this? I, these are, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I always think of that when I'm eating junk as like a, 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 a lawnmower. lawnmower over gra- gravel rocks. But like um, – but that was a little intense for me. I couldn't do it. I was a little bummed out by that book that it didn't solve all my eating stuff. Yeah, but the wh- problem is you can't stop eating. Right. You can't <laughs> – right. His method doesn't work. Yes. To get – that's really interesting. Yeah, and it also – the the drinking book to me was kind of magical, but the way you describe the eating book, it just seems like if, if you go like, hey, listen to this secret. If you just eat plants, you'll lose weight. And you're like, yeah, no shit. It's just like plants. Of course I will. Like the other one's almost more – it's almost more – Well, he just argues, well, but I like meat. Well, guess what? Humans weren't really made to eat meat and you don't really like meat. That's why you have to put so many things on it. It's like all this – it's all about like – you know how um, – the way he argues drinking, it's like – Alcohol doesn't taste good. Stop lying to yourself that you like beer. It's it, you, That's why you have to put so many things in alcohol is to make it taste good. Right. So you can get it down. It's poison. I always – this was my favorite thing. I, I go to a Froyo place and they change out the flavors every day and have different ones. One time there was like a, uh, a beer flavored one. And I go – and I was with my friends and I go – no one. No one is – if this doesn't get you drunk, no one's getting this. No one likes the taste of beer if it doesn't get you wasted. That sounds horrible. And so I go over to the guy and I go, how much do you, of this do you move? And he was like, none. And wow. I was like, no one – people are testing it just to be like, when is it like? But no one enjoys it. Then they have an Irish cream one, the place I go. It's only sugar-free one and that's always the option. And I go, I don't want the – it just – it tastes like alcohol. Why would you want this if it's not getting you – Fucked up. No one likes the taste of alcohol. That's the biggest argument I get in with people. I love beer. Oh, really? Really? You Was that just as soon as you had a beer, was it delicious? No. That's If you feed a baby something and it spits it out and doesn't like it, that means it's, it, it's an acquired taste. And you have to trick yourself into liking it. That beer yogurt thing is like – it's like almost definitive proof right there. It's so great. It is. Because I'm, I'm always like, okay, so you like beer so much so if it was just – didn't have alcohol in it, you'd still – consume and they're they're always like yeah it's like no you wouldn't the other night my brother-in-law was at 
we were eating dinner and he was trying to decide on a beer and all these like, you know, cool breweries and like craft beers. And I just go, it's just beer. Just pick one. Any one will taste the same as the others. It doesn't matter. You're just doing it to get drunk. And they're, my sister and brother-in-law are so used to me being, they're like, we really like wine. Oh, the whole wine thing. Yeah. And don't you feel like with the beer, when he's looking down that list, he's almost looking like, which one won't taste like beer? Yes. Which one has stuff in it that won't make it taste Yes. Because it's like whatever flavors. But wine, you're right. I was always thing. looking at the percentage. Which one has the oh most? Oh, my God, me too. Delirium tremors or whatever it is. <laughs> like the one that is has Nine. the... 9%. Yes. <laughs> so you and wine, same thing. Wine. Wine. People's, people thinking that they're wine connoisseurs. I love the show Adam Ruins Everything. It's like my favorite show. Do, do you know about it? No. It's, it's on True TV and it's this guy, Adam Conover. He's a comedian, but he... He di- he pretty much Alan Carr's everything where he ru- he just ruins things for people so they go like uh, oh oh you like wine I'm sorry um actually no wine experts can tell the difference between the cheapest shit and the greatest stuff like they've done blind taste tests and it's all it no one can really tell there's no such thing as a good wine or being able to be like oh this is one's more oaky it's all bullshit and I it's like that. I love I love that because it's just that that whole culture of like, ooh, whiskey. I'm like, you're just getting drunk. Don't act like this tastes good. Right. And like whenever someone says like, oh, my God, I love a gin and tonic. You know what's awesome? A tonic. Have you ever had a tonic? It's <laughs> amazing. I drink like sparkling water and tonic. Yeah, it is so too. freaking good. Yeah. That's what I think you're liking. Yes. Uh, I mean, I always – yeah, like when people say I love a gin and tonic, I'm like, do you know what is – Better like a Coke. (laughs) That tastes so much better. Right. So don't tell me you like the taste. I agree. I know you like getting drunk. It feels good. Yes. Don't lie to me about the taste because if you could have a Coke that gets you drunk, you would have that. You're so right. And when you take that sip of of a mixed drink and you go, oh, my God, that's so strong. Yeah. What you like is the fact that reality will be on soon. Yes. And you know it's a a gentle reminder that things – yeah, it's like Pavlov's dogs. You start salivating at the the idea of being – Old drunk. I actually got served a mixed drink recently. I thought it was a club soda, had a lemon in it. That's my drink to order. And I was at a club in uh, New York at the stand, and they served to me. And I was like thirsty, so I like took two big swigs, and I was like, like I was like, is that tonic or is that? And then he like smelled it and was like, oh, that's that's vodka, honey. And I was like. Oh my god! Like, Holy I, shit! Two big gulps, but I there was a part of me that was like, I'm so excited to feel this again. Like there was the addict in me that was like, What is this going to be like? I didn't do it on purpose, but um, it was yeah, it it tasted terrible, and um, and yeah, I got that same high of like, Oh, this is going to be good. Was there any part of you? Was that difficult at all? Was there any part of you that thought about man? Ah, you know. Um. There always is a part of me that's like, I could, I could do it. But then I'm just like, I'm going to feel terrible in the more Like, uh, it's just not worth it to me. It's just not worth the risk. Like, I feel like I've never gotten drunk and been like, I'm glad I got drunk. Yeah, that went great Ever. last night. Never. I've never... I've never felt that way. And so and I just... I don't think that I ever will. So I think that's kind of my... I think it's really cool to be sober is my thing, too. I think it's just like the... It's so much cooler than being drunk. And sometimes yeah. it can feel that you're uncool because you don't drink. But I have, like, something in my brain a switch that I'm, like, I'm – I feel like I'm, like, I'm better. I, I'm more enlightened than all you people. Not better, but more enlightened. Right. And by more enlightened, you mean better? Yeah. Better than people? Yeah. Um, a lot better. 
I agree though. I feel like it um and and also like when I when I watched you, you know, the show on MTV and everything, which yeah. wasn't that much long after I saw you drinking yeah. it. Yeah. And so what do you think it was about I guess two questions. Like, do you attribute specifically like quitting drinking with all the success you've had, which is crazy. I mean, you've had since I've seen you, you've had two TV shows. You were in a movie. I mean, a lot of amazing comedian stuff. Like you, you, you're crushing it. And so, do you think it directly relates to quitting drinking? And then, do you are there any habits that you changed that you feel like yielded these results? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that. It's hard to tell because that was at a point in my career where I was like eight years in. So that's when stuff start. You kind of start clicking as a comic and things start happening. But I definitely think that quitting drinking was – I knew that big stuff was going to start happening. Like I could just feel it like I had a podcast that was going pretty well and I felt like, oh, this is going to turn into something. And I just – I was like I want to be ready. I want to be sober when – Stuff starts going really well. Mm-hmm. And I want to just get a, a head start on my mental illness or my addictions or whatever because I just want to be able to handle all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think that I could be as successful as I am because I'm a lazy person. Add getting being hung over to that and then you – I'm depressed and lazy and and – hungover is just going to make those other things worse. Right. How do you, do you have any ways that you combat laziness? Because, I mean, you have to work very hard with the things that you do. How do you make yourself? I involve other people that hold me accountable. I feel like that's the only way to really do things is to have, uh, to partner with people who, you know, it's a little codependent because you're like, I got to do this for them, not for myself. But that seems to work for me. Uh, and I think that, um, like, working with Sarah and then I developed this Comedy Central show with my boyfriend. So, like, having someone push me and be like, okay, we're going to do this now. It's Because it's hard, it's hard to be your own boss. Yeah. And so to go back, and I want to talk about the Not Safe show. That's the show that you developed with your boyfriend, yes. right? Yeah. And so but prior to that was the Nikki and Sarah show. Yeah. And so how does that come about? Is that something you two create? Yeah, we we had a podcast called You Had to Be There, and that got a lot of good press, and uh, we had a lot of listeners. And then we caught wind that MTV was listen, looking for, like, a late-night show. And so we were like, let's put a pitch together and do it. And so we went in and, and got it and did a pilot, and then that got picked up. We did two seasons of it, and it was so fun. It was just when I had, like, I'd quit drinking, I think, a year before, and it was – um, I just felt like so on top of my game and like, but definitely I went to, I went the other way. Like I started smoking a lot of pot because I was like, oh, this has never been a problem for me. I can keep right. so And then you start using that as like, I was getting hung over from pot. So then I quit right. that. And then, you know, I struggled because all these things come up that you don't expect. You think like, oh, I'm just going to stop drinking and stop smoking pot and my life's going to be better. But then it's like, oh, that stuff was all putting a blanket over all your problems and now you have to just deal with them and feel them. And it was a lot of that. So then I got into therapy and worked on that. And, um, and then I, my eating issues became even worse. Like I would just binge to feel high. Mm -hmm. And then that got to a point where I was like, ugh, this is not looking pretty. And so that's when I got into therapy and started working on like all of it. Do you think that's a a big 
change therapy? Is that a, yeah? Oh yeah. Because you I never just, went prior to that. I did. I because I had, I was anorexic in um, late high school, college, and so I was sent to one throughout that, and so I had a couple of different ones. One in particular that like saved me during that time, but. Um, so I'd been I had been in therapy, but never like a long term thing. And this woman, I just fired her last two weeks ago. So I was with her for five years. Wow. What? Why? Why the firing? Just she was she was a little bit crazy. She was very. I liked her because she was very mean and very uh, direct, and she would just tell me what to do and tell me, "You're not a beauty. I'm sorry. What? You're not." You're you're a comic. It doesn't matter what you look like, but you're not a beauty. You're never going to be one. Like, she would just say things like that that it would crush That's me. That's amazing. And she would be like, um, you're, like, the least funny person that comes in here. I'm funnier serious? than you are. Like, she – and then one time she asked me to – but she was very practical and made me realize, like, okay, I'm not – her whole thing is you're not special. You're average, and that's good enough. You need to be okay with being average because you're never – you're not – you're not better than anyone, and you're not – less than anyone. You're just average and that's good enough. And so that was a really important lesson for me because I think that I've always grown up feeling like you have to be the best and you have to be, uh, you know, extraordinary. And most people aren't. And I might not be. And I'm never going to be Dave Chappelle level of brilliant. But I have other things that I could be Dave Chappelle level of brilliant about, which is sobriety. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at that. And... Uh, yeah, I just, I feel like, but anyway, I fired her because she was trying to get me to, like, write, she, first of all, she never acknowledged that I had any success. Like, she would always be like, she wouldn't be like, oh, I saw you in the Times or whatever, you know, she, she pretended not to know that I was, had a The things were going good, yeah. Yes. And then she asked me to write a blurb for her husband's book, and... And I got, first of all, first she asked me to write a, or to spread the word about her son's movie. And I was like, "Mm, I'll let this one slide, but I didn't do it. But I was just like, okay, which was a little weird. And then she asked me, she goes, oh, my husband just wrote a book and we're trying to like uh, gear it towards a younger crowd. It'd be great if you read it and wrote a blurb. The first hundred pages suck, but then it's good. And, uh, And I go, and she goes, is that okay? And she's running off to her room to go get the book. And I go, actually, I'm not very, I'm not comfortable with that. And she goes. That was a test. And I'm like, it wasn't oh, a fucking test. Fuck God. you. And so counter, it's it's like what all everything she was trying to accomplish, it seems like that went against it just to have you help her husband's book. Yes. Yes. And so I started being like, okay, so you never acknowledge that I have any kind of clout in this business, yet you're going to ask me to write a, so which is it, bitch? Right. And she's 73. She's a little crazy. I was just like, I'm done with you. And it's crazily expensive. I've spent so much really? more money on therapy than I have on anything. <laughs> really? I could have bought like two houses Holy for therapy. Holy shit. How much is it? Can I ask you? Three fifty per sesh, wow. two sessions a week. For someone to just be mean to you. For five years. Wow. It's the most – it's disgusting. Oh, my God. $700 a week for five I, years. I thought you made such a great point with – I just saw Chappelle a few years ago for the first time live and almost like quit, you know wanted to like quit comedy because yes. it was amazing. But you bring up this great point, which is especially with, if you look at all the different attributes of comedians or things that people are good at, you don't have to go – you don't have to be Dave Chappelle because you just have to find your own superpower, which yes. is I don't think Chappelle could host your show. Right. Because you are honest and quick and you have, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, I see people like Bill Burr and 
Chappelle and Maria Bamford, and I'm like, I could never do that. I'll never be that. It's like, yeah, but they'll never be able to do whatever weird thing you can do, which right. maybe people aren't responding to as much as they're responding to that. But I have strengths in my own personal life, too. Like, I always think I'm the – I've said this before, but I'm like the Bill Burr of comedy of making friends. Like, I have the best <laughs> friends. That's like your, I, like, your superpower? I am the, the, the Louis C.K. of making friends. <laughs> Like, no, I would go toe-to-toe with anyone with my group of friends because I just am a, I have a good picker when it comes to picking friends. Wow. And so you mean as far as uh, when you meet someone, like, making them a friend or your selection, The you, people that I've friends. had in my life who are my friends, I'm like, they're all really good people. They're like, I, I just feel like, oh, my gosh, I've gotten so – either so lucky in that sense or I'm just really good at picking people who are genuinely funny and fun and good and – yeah, like I just – I think I have the best friends. <laughs> I love that. You're the Louis C.K. of – So I'm just like maybe – Louis C.K. might not be as good at picking friends as I am. There's no way he is. No. It's impossible. You're, no. You crush him. Because I think that's why he's so successful though. He doesn't have like close friends. So he just works. His his like – Yeah, his, his phone's not interrupting probably, him. No one's calling. Yeah. <laughs> he can just stay right to the grindstone. He's got no distractions. Yeah. He, that's a really good point because I, I, I have three children. Yeah. And I often feel – to relate it to comedy, I think that when your kid comes home, and this isn't an original thought, I stole it from a podcast and told of people course, about it. Everything I'm saying is stolen from a podcast. But what we do is our kids come home and they do good in math and bad in social studies, and you say, "Let's work on social studies." Fuck social studies. Fuck it. Math. Guess what? You're not. He's probably not going to use social studies. If he's good at something, let's focus on that. Yeah. Why do we have to be kind of good at everything? Let's not. Right? I totally agree. It's that is the thing I think that is so hard to accept is when you are not when you can you accept yourself for being mediocre at something for not being the you're never going to be the hottest. You're never going to be like uh that we're all striving to be a 10. I'm just like, well, I'm going to be the best 7 I can be. <laughs> right. I'm going to be like, you know, it's just and there's someone out there that will appreciate me for that sevenness, whether it's my seven in looks or whatever. It's just I'm a seven and that's good enough. Yes. I'm like, you know, like I just but yes, I totally agree that you could get down about yourself for being bad at things, but just you should just play to your strengths. And, and yeah. And how about as far as being a seven versus a 10 in whatever field? Sometimes tens fucking kill themselves because they're not happy. Tens kill themselves all the time. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, when Robin Williams died, that was a huge thing for me to be like, okay, most beloved, most respected, most successful comedian out there unhappy. So it can't just be that. It can't. It can't be that. It cannot be wealth and fame and adoration from because like no one is more beloved. That it was like Tom Hanks level of beloved, mm-hmm. and still didn't feel enough love for himself. Right. And so it's just it that made me realize okay that is not the answer. I don't want to. Sometimes when I, that that. You know, as comedians, we're like, we just want, I think we want fame in a way. We just want to be loved by everyone. And when you start to realize, like, maybe that's not going to happen, I feel okay about that because I'm like, oh, that wouldn't have done it anyway. Yeah. Because I I know so many famous people who are just this miserable just like me at times. You know, it's like it doesn't change anything. 
Yeah, and like especially like with your comedy, say because you're not afraid to say anything or talk about whatever you want to talk about. Some people are not going to like that. Yes, and but that's how to be successful, not yeah. how to fail. Like if everyone likes you, you're exactly, and that's a really hard thing. It's because I, you want I hate when people don't like me, and it's sometimes people think that I like that because I'm saying things that you know shock people or whatever. But I, I, I desperately just want to be liked, and I think we all do. And it's so hard to realize, like, oh, okay, I can't, I, I can't. Not everyone's gonna like me. And the whole thing about, um, yeah, like I grew up always being like very jealous of the models, and like my sister was very, very beautiful, and I always felt in her shadow, and, and I never, I was always like, I just. I'm never going to be the prettiest. And it really, I felt like it was unfair. It was like a shitty hand to be dealt because I, I just was, I was, I remember being like, mom, why do you even have sex with dad and have me? But like looking at you two, you know, you were gambling on this <laughs> to have me. I have like acne. I, you know, I was just like an unfortunate looking teen because I couldn't get it together. But, um, but then and I, and I carry that a lot of that over to therapy. That's why my therapist has screamed at me, you're not a beauty. Deal with it. And I'm like, yeah. Is this and an old, older sister? Younger. Younger. But that all my guys that I liked, she lost her virginity to a guy that I had a huge crush on. It sucked. That's In horrible. my age. Did she know that you had a huge crush on him? <clears throat> no. She's, she's oblivious to how hot she is and how just striking she is. Um, she's a good person. And uh, – but – my therapist is like, I work with models. They're miserable. No one respects them. No one likes them for their for who they are. And when their looks start to fade, they go fucking insane. You don't want to be that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, there's always a downside that's good to stuff. everything. Yeah, it's great stuff. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, you know what bothers me about models, too, is that I, I love, like, fitness stuff. I listen to a lot of fitness podcasts. Yeah. But that even, like, your fitness models who I get, like, oh, man, I would – they don't look like that except for like that day anyway. That day. Yeah. They don't even look they look at their picture and go, God, I look like I wish I looked like that guy. And oh it's my them. Oh god. Like, I hear that Katie Holmes, I have a, a stylist who also dresses her and she's always like, I'm fat. And I'm like, Katie fucking Holmes. It's you just it never ends. Like unless you're working on yourself, you're you're gonna you're gonna find a way to critique yourself and find flaws cuz no one's perfect. Yeah, isn't it kind of awesome that everybody is sort of struggles? Yes. It's kind of cool, right? It's nice to – when you see that and I think that's why it's so important to read people's biographies and stuff because all these people you idolize and think that they have it all together and everything's been easy. You go, oh, no, they're just like me. Yeah. It really helps. I think that's why I put it out there a lot too because any young girl who's like, I want to be you or friends with you or whatever, I'm like, well, here's what it's – like I'm just like you. I was in. I thought I was in high school and insecure and all these things. I'm still in, in high school and insecure at yeah. times. And you could argue that all of those things that you maybe thought were faults led to all of your success in comedy, specifically the, the show, the Not Safe Show. I mean, yeah. that's that's you. When I saw that, I was like, oh my god, this is like Nikki Glazer's show. This is it. Thank like, you. Yeah. And so, oh, just to go back to that for a second, just for I feel like like some people don't. Say like you when you said like you pitched the show, uh, yeah. the, the first show to MTV. Yeah. What what is say what was your pitch like? Like how long was it? And was it? 
Did, did you describe the show? Was it a synopsis or did you guys try to make them laugh? It was pretty much, I think we had a couple printouts of what the the structure of the show would look like, like an outline. And then it was Sarah and I and I, and she was more of like the nuts and bolts because she's very just, um, she grew up like, she worked in like an office. So she like knew how to give presentations and, and film on all the technical stuff. And then I was kind of like just throwing in jokes and kind of like being the clown, I would say. And that's the way I pitched my show with my boyfriend too. Like he was nuts and bolts. I was clown. And, um, and, but yeah, we just, I would say it's about like a 30 minute meeting at the like you just tell them like hey here's what the show we think the show can be and you just joke with them and try to just make it a lighthearted like and just act super confident act super um excited act like you fucking know what you're talking about because a lot of networks they don't they don't know what they want they just want someone who's like a leader to be mm-hmm. like this is what you're doing and so and then um yeah a little small talk and then you go into the pitch and then they go okay we'll let you know and then you know, when they you hear bought it in the room, that's when they're like, we'll do it, which doesn't really happen that often. But you could feel it sometimes. When you get the call for either Nikki and Sarah or your new show, the Not, yeah. Not Safe show, what is what? How do you what do you do? You, ha- you like it's, it's you and your boyfriend, which is even I think is so cool. Yeah. Where did you meet your boyfriend? We met on Nikki and Sarah. Awesome. He was a producer on there. And I was like in love with him for uh, several months, our first season. And then at the end of the first season. Um, I finally had the balls to like tell him and then we were dating for the second season and then since then we've been together three and a half years. So as long as you've been not drinking. Uh, I feel like I know we him. We got together from, on the day you got sober. No. From watching Perfect, I feel like I know him. Yes. Oh. Yes, I know. It's uh, He's so great that he allows me to talk so much shit about him and us and, uh, you know, I got lucky with him. But so, yeah, when we we both found out about the show, we were walking together in Venice, like shopping on the street. And we got a call that when it's all your managers and your agents on the phone, you either know it's going to be good news or bad news, mostly good news, because they tend to not tell you bad news. They just like wait for you to forget that maybe you were up for something. <laughs> totally. Fuck that. <laughs> I told them I go. So I go. So did this ever happen? Like, I, I'll write them back on the email that has the audition. I'm like. So this is a no-go, I'm guessing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we heard back two days ago that they're going in different directions. It's like, tell me when I don't get things. I just resent you when you don't tell me. I'm still waiting to hear if I got the role (coughs) of uh, lead punker on Punk from 12 years ago. No one Um, is – I think it went to Dax Shepard. Son of a bitch. No one ever (laughs) – no one ever called me. <laughs> that's how you find out things is when it goes on air and you were like, oh, well, that's. I was even in L.A. I lived in New York and they flew me to L.A. And I never <sighs> left. They're like, we're going to let you know. I just stayed there. And like after a couple weeks. Jesus. I was like, I got to I should probably leave. Probably oh, my God. It, that is so it's so cruel to do that to someone. But it's just how this works. Like you just find out someone else got the job eventually. You see it on TV. But so in this case, so in you're this walking case, through Venice. Get a call. They're like, is Chris there? I'm like, yes, he's right here. Put it on speaker. They're going to make a pilot. And then we just jump around and hug each other and say, let's go to our favorite place to eat to celebrate. And then get to fucking work. Yeah. And then when the show gets picked up, same kind of deal. Well, it wasn't an easy process getting picked up either time. I feel like the network is like, yeah, we're going to, but we're going to wait. It's It was not like a fun find out about getting picked up because it was like, yeah, 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 you will. But like we're going to maybe redo this thing and then we'll see. So it's just 
it wasn't as clear cut like you got it. But when you get that pilot, it's a it's a surge. Yeah. How, so when you do the pilot, you guys obviously plan out how the show's going to go. Are you feeling at that point? Hey, I think we have something here. Like, did it feel right? Yeah, it felt really right because it just felt like, oh, this is finally like I. I have all these people around me who really know my voice and who know what I and, – and who believe in me. And I felt like I, I was old enough to know that what I wanted to do and, and say what I wanted to say as opposed to Nikki and Sarah. I'm just like I'm just going to figure out how to be on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like telling jokes. Like these are good jokes but yeah. it wasn't your personality. It wasn't my personality and I'm, I don't think I was comfortable with myself. Yeah, I was still finding myself, and I think I'm still finding myself, but a little bit more grounded, and I felt, um, yeah, it was just like, I tried to just never make it too, like, this is it, because it's just, when you do that, you're only going to be disappointed. So I've just tried to have fun and be myself and just learn and discover new things about myself to use later on, because as... Uh, Amy Schumer's always told me whenever something falls through, she's like, it is a blip in a long, long career. It's just a little moment. Like a show that can comes and goes and uh, Nikki and Sarah live. Two seasons, but it's just a, it's just a dip. Mm-hmm. And it feels so big at the time, but it's just a moment. How great is Amy? Uh, how great is to see how good she's doing for what an awesome uh, person. And- she's the be- I mean, I was just thinking about her. I was just with her last night, and she is the she's the funniest person I've ever known, and just the most generous and the greatest friend. She I have she is the greatest person I know. That's so cool, and, and she deserves everything. When you like, I, like you know, I have like I friends. Hate the, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, it's is just she... so nice to have someone who deserves it yes. and who I would never, I've never felt jealous of. I really haven't, and that's—I would never think that I would be able to say that about one of my best friends, who is the most famous person alive. Yeah, arguably. When I see you go to an airport and people are just holding her book, it's still kind of—you're like, "Holy shit, I know, man!" I'm this just is. Like, I, then they then I mentioned in the end of it, my <laughs> name is. Can you turn to page three ninety two? Yeah, it's it's so cool. It's and she is hasn't changed from she, what I can tell at all. And so, you know, you have certain friends that you call for with certain questions or advice. Yes. Is she your call yes. for a lot of those? She's my call for everything. And she calls me for a lot of things. Like, she, um, she's helped me so much with just, oh, when I did the roast of Rob Lowe, she took so, she helped me more than any of my friends. She'd wow. be like, hey, Nick, I have five, she's in Europe. I have 10 minutes. I can get on your Google Doc and, like, we can go through it. She helped me so much and, and is just, one of my biggest champions too. So she like always lights this fire under me. Like, yeah, I am. I am fucking great. I am the best. And like, she just believes in me in a real way that I know is not just her being nice because I know that she doesn't do anything just to be nice, That's which is awesome. a nice thing to know about someone. Yeah. And just that she's so obviously busy. Her phone's probably ringing all the time and that she would take the time to go, Hey, this is important to Nikki. She's I can make this better. She's a good friend, a good sister. She's just a good person to the people she loves. It's great. It's, and so you're in train wreck. Yes. How was that experience? So fun. It was so fun. She, I never get anything cause I'm bad at auditioning and I'm probably bad at acting in general, but like uh, having her just be like, yeah, you're in the movie. I'm going to put you in this role and you'll kill it. 
was so it was so nice to have her just like believe in me because she didn't put people in the movie who were just her friends because right. they were for friends. She put her talented friends in. And I felt like it was um it it was just so cool being on a set and working with Judd Apatow. Like it was uh it's just that is always going to be a moment for me that I'm like that's so cool. It's like a a moment in a yearbook. Like it was just a fun thing to do. It didn't feel like work. Right. It was it was cool to have I'm in a Judd Apatow movie and it's one of like the best comedies it's so cool what a great movie it's such a good movie and it's yeah it's something that I can show the kids I'll never have (laughs) this is cool there she is my my nieces I think you bring up a great point I think you are a good actress but I also think because now I do on my show with Rob Schneider we do like we do everything so we do some casting and stuff yes and I'm telling you I'm telling you how many times and you strike me as so similar to me where there's so many guys that can audition that are amazing actors and actresses and the absolutely the reverse of that. Yes. Sarah um, Jessica Parker was just on Stern talking about it. Oh, yeah? She was she, – she's producing that show Divorce for HBO and she's executive producer. So she sits in the casting. And she's like, it's so painful to watch people audition because some people are so great at auditioning and then you get them in the room and you're like, what? Where? What? Where is it? Yes. And they get the role, and then some people are so bad at auditioning, but great actors. And it's they're two separate skill sets sometimes. Completely. Completely. She and, and Howard Stern was like, really? You'll get see someone on a set, and then all of a sudden you're like, really disappointed? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's been – they've been let go before because they just – their audition was amazing, but they just – it's nowhere on set. It's, yeah, weird. it's strange. And you're right. It is a different skill set because you're walking into a room full of strangers. In your case, that's the best situation for you to be funny and awesome because it's with Amy, who's the star, yes. who's put you in there. And, and that's how you're meeting Judd. Like you're meeting yes. everyone through her. You're not just – and so you're put in this situation. Well, I knew to, Judd because I babysat for his kids for while I lived in L.A. No way. In 2008. So I was like their their. So you had known him before that. Yes. And it had a weird – like – I asked for an audition for funny people. That's how they stopped using me as a babysitter. But, like, he respected it because I was like, listen, I would never do this. This has never been my intention to, like, work for you so that I could get an audition. But I hear you're looking for a female comic in her late 20s and that you're going to clubs looking for comics, not actresses. That is what I am. So yes, at the risk of losing this job, I just would love an audition. He waited two weeks to respond, but then he gave me an audition. And, of course, I didn't get it, but... I I really he's never held it against me. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's I think I couldn't not do it. I was just like I'm going to kick myself if I don't do this, and I'm sorry if it's offensive to you or crosses a line. But he he's the coolest, and um, and yes, going into that, it's a little scarier because it was like it was my friend who I wanted to do a good job for when I was auditioning with her, and I was auditioning for the role of Nikki of me. Like that was my initial. I didn't. I'm so bad at auditioning. I didn't get the role of myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it went to Vanessa Bayer, but <laughs> that, are you serious? That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So her character was like loosely based on me, I guess. But she yeah. got the role of you over. Yes, you. and God, she deserved it. Like so good. But um, but yeah, I auditioned for that with Amy, and it was really fun and scary. But like, they're like, why do you think you're right for this role? You're like, because we have the same name. <laughs> I feel like um, because it's me, um. But yeah, I've just now that I go and I go into auditions now, and I'm just like I don't like if you, as long as you like kind of don't care and yeah. like take some chances. I, that's what I've been doing lately. It's just like I'm gonna blow this thing up. Either they're gonna remember me somehow. You have I've, to. I've had auditions where my favorite one was I 
I was I have two stories. One was at that another audition. She goes, "Okay, great. So I see what you're trying to do here, and uh, we'll get back to." You. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you were trying to do. I have a good sense of what you were trying to do. And then another time, you're supposed to bring in like a prop. Sometimes, if, if like you have the prop that's in the thing, that's not mm-hmm. like a crazy prop. If it's a phone, so I bring in my phone because there's a I take a phone call in this audition. So I have the phone in my hand, and then when the phone call comes, I use my hand and make a hand phone with my phone in my hand. And they stop me and go, "You can use your uh, actual phone." Oh my I'm God. like, oh. "That is so amazing." It was Broad City. I'm like, "I'm not getting this, am I, girls?" And they're like, "Dude, that's amazing." You're like, "It's like that's the other line." I'm getting a call on the other line. It's one of the best audition stories I've ever heard. Yeah, I have. I I love what you were trying to do. Oh, that's unbelievable. It is weird though, because I sit in that room and sometimes yeah, someone will come like in. Yeah, like another end. It, so, and I don't do it much. I actually don't cast. I just kind of sit there and I read. When, when like, for I had to audition my girlfriend in the show. Oh wow! And so they yeah. had me like come in and read with them. Yeah. And so I wasn't making decisions, mm-hmm. but I was. Um, what I'm doing here is trying to avoid a bunch of phone calls from people that hear this. But no, like, like really, there's casting people. But I like sat there and watched them. And some yes. some people would come in and they would they would like. Like one girl was like pretty good, but she invited us all to her birthday party. No. Like in a really weird like Oof. people just do these crazy things. But yeah. then but then she leaves and you go, "Well, I remember her and I don't remember everybody that played yeah. it safe." Yes. You got to I I felt the same way about r- people writing packets. Like when they sent cuz I would both my shows we've gotten like 200 plus submissions and you have to read all these packets. And I would never have thought that, like, including pictures or something, we- just being weird. Just different than would every... Ma- would be a good thing. I'd, I I would have probably been like, oh, don't try to be funny. Just do right. the fucking thing. But this guy had a picture of, he was just like, and let's just take a break for a picture of, you know, Pat Sajak in, uh, in suspenders. And it was just like a picture. And we were just like, that is fucking funny that he just took a moment. And it's a colored pic. Like, it was just... And I remembered him, and he got his job. Wow. I mean, his packet was funny, but, like, that... Those little things you remember. Yeah. And yeah, but, like, going in auditions just saying the weirdest shit that you're just like, why did I say... Like, it's just a weird... It's There's nothing like it. I will never forget you answering your handphone and having Hello? a real phone. And having the other phone. Hey, um, you can, you can use your phone, actually. They stop me! <laughs> That's so awesome. Like, oh, let me put this down. Okay. <laughs> I have, so I have a writing question for you. Yes. So on the Not Safe show, my favorite segment was uh, Tinder Tap Out. Yeah. So would you mind describing for someone that might have not seen Tinder yes. Tap Out what it is? And then how does that idea be, go from the room to That was um, – so Tinder Tap Out is when we troll people on Tinder. We make a, a fake profile and the girl's super hot but she's like awful. She's racist. She's stupid. She's she often has diseases. She has diseases. She leaves her kids in the hot cars. Like she is just a bad, bad person. And um, and she her, the character was developed and written by Benji Aflalo, who is a hilarious comedian and one of our writers. But he just had her voice down. Her name was Kayla, and she was like at party bitch Kayla, and she terrible person. And so we came up with that. I think our, our um, showrunner at the time, Chris McGuire was the one that originally was like, we need to, 
let's just we need to do something with Tinder. I, that was our goal was because it was such a big deal. It just like kind of reached its peak at that moment, and we were just thinking about. I forget, but I remember Chris McGuire was the one that was like, we just try to get them to tap out. We try to, like, take it so far. So we were like, Tinder tap out, and we were like, that is a fucking good name, everything. And then we just started making Tinder accounts and had Benji working around the clock. Like, but we joked that Benji, like, didn't have to do any work because he re- he was Kayla's voice, so, like, we needed him. He could just be <laughs> the worst uh, writer in other senses and because he was always on his phone, and, which – Probably not doing Kayla the whole time. Or right. doing our, but we would let him be on his phone like the whole day because we're like because he brought he might that be monster. doing that. Yes, because right. he was so good at it. And is I mean, and then I came up with a voice for it, and it just uh, it just really worked. And these guys were like down to show up and be like, yeah, I would have fucked this girl that told me she had. It's amazing. And I thought it was fake, and, and then there's like a, you like show the guy something. Yeah, I'm the like, guys oh my God. would show up. Yeah, we would get. We had a. Um, amazing field staff that would convince these guys like hey this is just about showing like what a great guy you are and how accepting you are and and just really sweet talk them and so they'd be like yeah i'll show up i even like the the fact that i i'm i think people like to watch a contest so i think even when like jim norton has to try to pick when they're gonna tap yes. out or whatever that's part of it too like Everything you go hey was it's a great bit. It was a great bit. It was uh, that uh, that was um, hard not to do every episode, but um, and maybe we should have. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. We had a couple things that I was like, oh, we really hit the mark on that one. It was. It's just so fun putting together a show and having those moments of like, yes, this is so good. No one's doing this. Seems um, like a fun place to. Seems like a fun vibe. Oh, it was so fun. Over at Comedy Central. And then the Rob Lowe roast, which was your first appearance on a roast. Yes. Was yeah. freaking hilarious. Yeah, that was so fun too. And that was – I was just waiting to hear on it for a really long time. I was like, I think – because it was after my show had ended and we didn't know if we were getting picked up again. And so I'm like, are they going to even want me at this roast? I thought I was going to do it. but And then they decided to – I mean the, our show is still like not coming back, maybe coming back. It's still on the bubble or whatever. But – um it was a great vote of confidence in me just as a performer that they were like, yeah, do the roast. This it's is your huge. thing now. That's a huge spot. That's it's huge. It's a big platform. It breaks people all the time. And um, it's harder to break through. There's just too many things on TV. So it's a, it's a big platform. Comedy so funny that you just said like you, ha- you had at the time a show on Comedy Central and then you were offered the roast and you're like, I don't know if they're going to want me anymore. Isn't comedy funny that yeah. like you still have those thoughts? Oh my god! Well, and they might be true. Yeah, it's to- because first of all, it's so it's insanely disheartening how much you can be kissed. Your ass is kissed when you go when you start somewhere and you're the hot thing, and everyone's like, "We'll do anything to have you on stuff." Like I've been that before, and then I've been totally like, yeah, snubbed by the same people that were kissing my ass two days before because. They got some weird research in or something, that, and they don't think the show's coming back. Then all of a sudden, you're just like a nobody. And it's like, you guys loved me yeah. a second ago, and now I'm like, you're ignoring me? Like, I'm a loser at this party? It's crazy. It it's is. Just, uh, it, and I always think about Amy. Like, Amy had this crazy rise, like no one else. Like, just shot up so quickly, famous overnight. 
And for good reason. She worked very hard. But it seemed overnight. And as soon as people were like, okay, Trainwreck was out a while ago. Like, we were over that. And her show, like, that, that season's past. Like, okay, now we're just – we're going to hate her now. Right. Now we're going to start hating her. Because you, no matter who you are, you get taken down eventually. Mm-hmm. Like uh, – and she said we recently were talking about some someone we both dislike in this business and we're like, we can't wait till they're she said last night she was like, I want that person to experience extreme fame. I want them to get so famous just so they can get taken down and see what so they're exposed for who they really are because this is all bullshit. And it was an, an interesting thing that was like, Oh, you're wishing fame on someone just so they can right. feel the the fall because she's felt it. And where there's people always just turn. the fall. Yeah. Like the whole thing about I loved when she walked a bunch of people in Tampa, 200 people in Tampa for saying of, Trump stuff. Of thousands. And of then she thousands. goes, oh, you know, yeah, I walked 200 people, but um, 8,400 stayed. Yeah. 8,400. Kiss my ass. Like, no one's thinking about the people who love her and who are, like, it's just all people talking trash. It is. People can't, yeah, they want to so take you down mad. once. mad. Because she's so huge. I get so, uh, I, uh. At, at, at people, at just... Like if I, I – she's all over blogs and I'm her biggest fan, Amy. And, uh, and Oh, so you get mad at people on behalf of her? Like oh, that... yeah. I'll create accounts on blogs just so I can comment and take people down and be like, no one in your family likes you. You're a miserable piece of shit and like you hate women. It's so clear. I pray for your daughters. Like I just like – I need to let them know that they're sexist and that they – that's why they don't like her. Yeah, and isn't it <laughs> – Yeah. And why like – she does train wreck, which is so freaking it's a it's it's a it, it is a, such a funny original movie and then is touring all these what more do you have to do? Why does there even have to be a next thing? You can't you can't ever stop. Like I was just thinking about the roast. Like <clears throat> it was such a big thing for me when I did the roast. And the next couple of days I was like getting a lot of emails and offers and stuff like that, and now it's all gone. People have forgotten. People move on so quickly. And that's both good and bad because you can have a sex tape and people can be like, you're gross. We hate you. That's disgusting. You're a whore. And then you have your own reality show and you're the biggest celebrity. No one thinks about – I mean we all say, oh, Kim Kardashian has a sex tape. No one's really thinking about that and judging her based on that. She's something totally different now. We've seen so many people's vaginas – who we don't think, oh, yeah, she had a sex tape. That's so crazy. I saw right. her suck someone's dick. Like Paris Hilton, remember yes, that? I've seen her suck a dick. But that's not what I think of when I think of her. Right. You know, so it's like you can uh, overcome. People can forget the good stuff you've done so quickly and the bad stuff. So it's kind of nice. That's great. That's a great point. And now as people move on, do, do you move on quickly? So say you do the roast. Yes. I move on quicker than they do. Like the next day or you're like, I'm oh, just like, uh, Yeah. Like after it's over, you're just like, that probably wasn't good enough. And what am I going to do next? And yeah. I, I can't, And I try not to because I just – I'm enjoying my life right now. It's uh, very uncertain like what's happening next. I think that if I really fought for it, I could – my show would come back right away and all the things. And I'm just kind of like maybe I don't. What like what do I really want? Do I want to be super famous? Do I and not that that's just like an option for me, but like yeah, the opportunity is there. But does that mean that I should take it? Right. Like I I've really had to do a lot of thinking. Like what do I want to make? What do I? What's the thing that I want to do? Because 
that was not the show, not safe. That was what I wanted to make, and it, now I'm kind of like, do I want to talk about sex anymore, like, constantly? Is that going to be my thing? And now I think I want to try something else, even though I'm maybe walking away from a huge opportunity. you got to just do stuff that you'll feel, like, good about. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes that's turning down money mm-hmm. and fame. And so does that change your – how does the show affect your stand-up? Will, will you go – I mean, do you still love doing stand-up and is that your first love or do stand-up you – Stand-up is being – is become so much more fun now because people are coming out and they know me. So that's changed everything. And there's a part of me that's like, well, I got to get back on TV so that they can still know me and come out to shows because I can't – now that I've reached that level where uh, crowds are showing up not just being like, well, who's playing? Right. And saying to me afterwards, you were really good. What was your name again? Like, that's so nice to have them come and know who I am. So part of me needs to stay on TV to make that happen. But another part of me is, like, I just want to enjoy this and develop my act. And um, stand-up, I hate. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. And I hate it. Yes. There are some nights where I'm like, I don't want to fucking be a clown tonight. Like, I don't want to do it. And I, I, I hate that I have to do it. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm like... I just feel terrible about it sometimes. I usually am dreading every set I do. Really? So like, even, I've even never you're really backstage, felt... you're, you're at a theater. And, and it's not... not dreading like, I'm nervous. It's dreading just like, ugh, I don't want to go do this. Like, right. my boyfriend's like, why do you do, why do, you do sets? Because I'm, I'm always like, I have to go do a set. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I do it because it's like going to the gym. I never leave a set being like, well, I've left a set being like, I didn't need to do that. But it just, it's... It's ingrained in me now from the time that I love stand-up and was obsessed with it and needed to know everything about it and do it all the time. Those, yes, 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 I'll do whatever right. is still in me. But I don't always enjoy it. As soon as I grab the mic and I'm having fun, I am, I'm having a great time. Yeah. But walking up to the stage, I'm just like, Ugh. Don't you get to, like, as you progress, like, I get to a point where it's got to be perfect to enjoy it. Like, even if there's one little, like, a heckler, you're like, dude, this is just fucking stupid. What are- yeah, I – for me, it's not so much about – and it should be about that. Like, those things should make me sad. Like, stand-up for me now is about if the green room is great. Like, these are the things I care about. When people yes. are like, that's a great room. I'm like, I don't care about the crowd. Like, What's the room behind it look like? Yes. What is the – are the, is the staff attentive? Do they put you up in a nice hotel? Yes. Are they annoying? Are they, like – uh, passive aggressive with like, well, we thought we were going to sell this many tickets, but you know, all of those things make the experience better for doing stand up. When you're just doing spots around town, it's a different story. But um, yeah, like I never, if I have bad sets, I, I've, I feel like it doesn't affect me as much as just like having to stay in like a shitty hotel right. and deal with people and feel like you're in the way at a club. Yes, and that th- really but those are me. those are your working conditions. I mean, it's just there's only the one hour on stage, and then you have to be in a hotel. You have to be yeah. That's up by the, the the hour on stage is a break from all the like. I feel like the work is talking like to the club manager, getting picked up at the airport, talking to them, going to radio, making small talk in the car, um, then uh, get, going in their office and getting paid. It's like those are the working things. After the show, meeting all the fans, that's work. Mm-hmm. The stand-up, I feel like, is obviously work, but it's like at least I'm in control of that. Yeah. The other stuff, you aren't really. Yeah, that's really true. Like, why can't you just trust me to get to radio in an Uber? Why do you have to pick me up in your shitty car 
and make me drive 20 miles with you. Because they want to they want to hang out with you. It's so uh, it's it's a I got picked up in the shittiest car recently, like where I felt unsafe and it was disgusting. And I'm like, you're the fucking manager of this club. Like, how can I was just texting my manager being like, this is sending him pictures of the interior being like. This is unacceptable. Did he give you like a sorry about the car or anything or he was just oblivious? No, he goes, sorry, it's so small. And I'm like, small isn't – I would get in a small car. This is just disgusting. Wow. There's no there's no uh, f- glove compartment. It's f- it's gone. There's trash. There's ashes and uh, tobacco everywhere. It's just, it just was so gross. And I'm like – and I don't – I feel like a little bit of a diva being like – but I'm like I – I don't have time. I would rather pay for a ride to yes. go to then put up with this. And like, why am I putting up with this? I would. I should have just been like, hey, no, I'm not getting in that car. And right. then it's spread around that I'm a bitch and a diva. Yeah. Can you? What about say there was not the chance that they would say you're a diva? What about take that out of it? Can you be that person that yes. says you can say like I don't want to get in that thing, that car? Yes. Oh, I, I'm so envious. I can't do yes. anything like that. I. Amy has made me better at that. Really? Because she's very just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go in that car. Yeah. <laughs> so and, awesome. But it's like, isn't rude about it. It's just like, yeah, I don't right. do that. I Yeah, it's kind of gross in there, so I'm not going in. And I've gotten better about just being honest with people um, where I'm just like, it feels good to just stand up for yourself. Like when people after shows will hug me or touch me or be like, hey, can you do this face? Or like, can you kiss me on the cheek? I just go, No. No, I'm not going to do that. See, I would kiss that guy on the cheek. I can't say no. I, I used to I be swear that person. Uh, but now I feel like, no, I, I, I don't want to. And I just go, no, I'll, I'll take a picture with you, but I'm not going to kiss you on the cheek. That's no. Wow. And I'm that's not. from like being around Amy, watching how she deals with things. It really and... is. It's watching how she like respects her, has boundaries. Yeah. I think having boundaries is so hard to do, but mm-hmm. so important, obviously. But it's like it, with people like us who are people pleasers and addicts, I think – all we, we just want to make everything fine. Yeah, I'll do that. That's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, I'll kiss, kiss me on the cheek. This is just easier to kiss you on the cheek than it is to have a conversation yes. about why I don't want to. You know what I did the other day? I'm such a people pleaser. I was at this comedy club and they said, hey, we're instead of doing radio on Friday, there's a big festival. So we're going to do radio on Sunday. And I was like, that's ah, weird because my week's over. Oh, right? my God. And Jamie. so and you know what I said? Nikki, I didn't. I didn't just say yes. I went. Oh, so they go. Would you mind? It's going to be like Sunday. Your week's going to kind of be over, and you'll have like one show, but you know, left on Sunday night. But you know, we're just trying to do this festival thing. I not only said yes, I was like, oh yeah, that'd be. I love to get up early on Sundays and do radio. Like I say yes, and you then I lie down on it so that you could almost convince yourself that you weren't. Yeah, I'm like, oh, on Sundays, I'm always like looking for something to do. That'll be great because I'm always like, oh, I wish I could go to, like a festival. Like I yeah. make what the fuck. Yeah, I mean, I I've I still find myself in those positions because that that voice just clicks in like yes 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 I just want to do whatever you say but then it's so nice when your first thing is to be like let me think before I speak about what I really want and why this is kind of crazy that they're asking me this and how they're taking advantage of me because you just think that everyone is just like N- I don't really think of people taking advantage of me uh, all the time but sometimes they that clearly is. So you take – yeah, it's a really good – Just take a moment just to be like until – I'm not going to answer right away. Like let me think about that. Like, oh my gosh. I was in uh, a club recently and the manager or the owner, very nice guy, enjoyed my time with him driving to radio, legitimately a good guy. He goes, uh, so you want to go to um, – you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? And I was just like 
Or he goes, you want to go to lunch tomorrow? And I go, no. I'm going to be honest with you. No, I don't. And, like, he's the owner of many clubs. And he was just like, oh. And I go, and I don't even have an excuse. I was like, I just don't. I like to, like, nap and eat, like, my weird protein bars and, like, sit in bed and you know, like I. That is and, so awesome. And no, I go, what did actually, I, I actually have to have. And then I realized I was like, I'm actually having lunch with a friend tomorrow. That could have been my excuse because it is true. But, um, but no, I just don't want. Like, he, I already had revealed that I just didn't want to. I could have used an actual excuse I had. But it felt good just to be like, no, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I have to go. I don't do lunches anymore with the staff or like feeling obligated to do that. That's awesome. And then how did it he just react? Because that just probably. Kind of was like. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I get it. I get. It. Like he hadn't heard anyone say that, but it was he was. Only, I could tell that he was. It. It didn't feel like I was saying it just because I didn't like him. It was just me being like, I just don't. I don't do that. It's not really... you. It's just I. Did, that's I would turn this down to anyone. That's good. Like that's really legitimately putting like your own happiness like over people pleasing. That's like a big. That's that a big was a big there. one for me. Like I, I had a couple of those recently where I'm like. I'm so glad I didn't do that because I just don't want to. Like, I don't want to do everything pretty much. I would like to just stay home and do nothing all the time and be alone and not have any responsibilities. And sometimes I make myself – like last night I went to Kanye's concert with Amy and a couple of people. I almost went with my friend. That's hilarious. It was – It's. I knew that it wasn't going to be like my vibe. The music was too loud. I like Kanye. Love his songs. But I just knew that I was like, this is going to be more work. But I need more life experiences to write comedy off of. Like, that's why I – and I want to hang out with Amy. So, like, there are reasons to do it. Then um, then sometimes it's hard to tell when you should accept those things or when you should say, no, listen to yourself. You really want to stay home tonight. Treat right. yourself well. You've been sick or whatever it is. I, it's hard for me to trust when I'm either being uh, – avoiding like fun and being depressing which is not good or that I'm treating myself well and being like you need to relax right do you have trouble discerning those two I think so and but, but I think with your example why I like that you went was because Amy was going to be there like yes. sometimes I do that like I will I'd say no to everything like mm-hmm. because I, I if and I, I sometimes have to like lie make excuses yeah. to people feel better that I'm not doing it but sometimes I do feel like I miss out on some I don't do I don't do much. Like I don't do that many things. I don't either. And I think that it's good to sometimes push yourself once in a while, but I'm like I always think about it, um my family's very into nature and hiking and camping and I just don't like it. Where did and you grow I, up? Where was this? St. Louis. Okay. But like I uh my dad is a big canoeer and they just all like hiking. And every time I go home they have a place a cabin on the river. They just want to go outdoors. And I just – I've always my whole life felt really guilty that I don't like that stuff and I don't want to do it because hiking's beautiful and the mountains and the trees and it's it's definitely great. But I just don't yeah. care. And don't I you feel like you're care. supposed to like it? You're supposed yes, to like you're it. you're supposed to like it. But when I die, I'm not going to be like, I didn't stand on enough mountaintops. I will – I enjoy just reading a book in bed in my comforters. Like I – I just don't have a sense of adventure in that way. And I guess uh, – and when I go to countries or travel, I don't want to go do – to museums and stuff. I'm just – and a part of me is like, you're just a boring, lazy bitch. But like – but I just enjoy that. I just so – I just have to decide, am I doing this because I'm depressed or am I doing it because I mm-hmm. truly want a nice day to myself? Because those two can get very blurry. Yeah. And so then with your family, do you – when they do say, do you want to go on a hike, are you at a point where you say no? 
I've been saying no my whole life, and it's always oh. been like a battle. Like, Dad, I don't want to know. And he's just like, I just want to spend time with you out in the woods or whatever. And uh, but now I just go. It's just I don't feel sorry. I don't like make excuses. Like maybe later or like. I don't feel bad about the way I feel now. Now I'm just like, I'm just a city mouse. Like, I just, I'm a couch mouse. I don't like to be out in the country. I don't want to get, I don't, I don't like the elements. Yeah. And so, and I'm okay with that now. I'm just like, oh, I'm just different than them. Yeah, this is just who you are. It's who I am. I'm not like being a bad person because I'm rejecting those things or I'm taking the easy road out. And my dad's always like, well, just do it for me. I'm like, no. I'm not doing anything for anyone else. Right. I mean, I will. Like, this was a really hard one. And this is interesting. You ever have regret that you're not calling your, like, sick family members or family members that are lonely? Grandmas, aunts. I always have that regret. My grandma, when she died last year, but uh, the years leading up, I was in therapy and I would tell my, I was always like, I need to call my grandma. I don't know why I put it off. And it's, she's going to die soon. And I'm going to regret not doing it. She goes, it's not going to change whether or not your grandma dies if you call her. It's not her life will not really change, and I'm like, but it'll make her feel good. And she goes, well, it doesn't really. It's not going to change anything. So wow. just do what you want to do. And I'm like, that's like a really fucked up, selfish way to live. But my dad was trying to get me to call my aunt recently, and I, who I really have a lot of bad feelings towards, but she's going through a hard time. And I was just like, no, mm-hmm. no, because he goes, it might make her feel good, and I'm like, it might. But I know it will make me feel bad, and it's causing me anxiety even thinking about it. So I'm just going to be selfish in this one and protect myself and say, no, I'm not calling her. Right. And it sucks. I feel like a bad person, but I also am like, no, she's – if she were the greatest person in the world, I would probably call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And I think, too, like you feel like a bad person, but compared to what if you do call, and then how will you feel? Yes. I, I, yeah. I mean, there are times where I call relatives, and I'm like, oh, I just did charity work. Right. You have a sense of, like, I'm a really good person. Mm -hmm. But um, I've kind of let some of that guilt go because you can't – there's too many people to please and you just can't do it all. And so I just try to do it enough that I feel – yeah, I just – I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, work from a place of, like, will this make you happy? Mm Mm-hmm. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And it's a really selfish way to live, but I've found that, like, it's just a good place to start at least. Yeah. And then you can convince yourself, you know what? I know I don't want to do this, but this will make a huge difference to them more than it will to me not doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do it. But I'm trying not to feel too guilty about things anymore. That's that's, Wow, that's good stuff, man. I can't do any of that stuff. You've always struck me as – um. Since the I saw, I think the first time I saw you was at in at Deja Vu. Oh yeah, I think you did a yes! guest set. Yes, at uh, whatever that place is called. Deja Vu. Oh, it's called Deja Vu. Yeah, what, in I, Columbia. In Columbia. That's what I was trying yeah. to think. But yeah, and I remember you were like super original and funny. And I think I even came up to you after and said like, "Oh my god, like you're like you're great, yes. whatever." But you've always had to me this, whether it was that guest set or sketch week and then your shows you've in your especially your special perfect you have this confidence like you always have this confidence about you that i think is so is is just fucking awesome and do you have you always had that do you, do you feel like do you, where do you think you got that from do you feel confidence no i feel i feel like i'm i'm getting closer to it i feel like i am con- i want to i'm in a mad rush to get so confident and so self-assured 
by the time that my looks start to fade and that as a woman you get people give it sh- give less of a shit about you it just happens mm-hmm. and i'm in a mad rush that i don't want to fill my face up with injectables and like try to that i'm okay with myself and i love myself by the time people start l- stop loving me for superficial reasons yes because I know that there will be a time because I remember my I remember in high school my friend's mom saying I remember the day men stopped hel- holding doors for me and it was awful like they stopped looking at me and stopped giving me attention I thrive off of attention whether it's that or and it's not happening all all the time but as a young girl you get some kind of thing that I will be robbed of later on and I better be okay with myself when that shit goes right so I'm in a mad rush to get confident enough that that stuff doesn't matter to me so I think that I've I feel like I have there. I struggle with low self-esteem, and I don't think it's a put-on that I'm confident. But I'm. I feel like I'm uh, brave. Mm-hmm. I can be brave, but confident um, is something I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Do you have any say? You're waking up in the morning and you're going to write today and write some comedy. Do you have a, a routine that you follow, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I. I don't write stand. I don't sit down and write stand up, which has always been my biggest regret. Is like, why don't you do that? You'd be so much better. Because anytime I have to write a transcript for a TV show or something, where you have to write out your stand up, which yeah. I've never done, it just is always words, mm-hmm. like just one word per joke. I always end up writing so much more when I'm writing out a transcript. I'm like, whoa, this joke could go there. So right. I'm not reaching my full potential by not writing. But if like right now, I'm working on writing a pilot and I'm reading a book. And I, I have to go to Starbucks with the book and sit. And some days you just get there and you're like, I'm not going to fucking write. I'm shopping. I'm doing all this right. different stuff. And it's sometimes the same with the gym. Sometimes I will dress for the gym. I'll drive to the gym. I'll park and I'll go in and I get on the treadmill and I'm like, fuck this. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can leave because yes. I did everything that I could to get to the point where this was something I could do. I set mm-hmm. myself up for success and I don't want to do it. I think that's great. So I can go. But like I got, I got myself there where I was like you make you're making a decision you're not you're not putting these blocks in your way I'm just like creating a path and then I get there I'm like I don't really want to do it so a lot of times I don't end up writing but sometimes I just get um, I don't know uh, what inspires you like I feel like what makes you when you're the most productive what is it about that day or that moment that makes you create like I. Because I'm like kind of a I have, I have a trouble sitting down and doing stuff. Yeah. And what's made it easier for me is just is having assignments. Yeah. Just by having to work on this show that's incredibly hard and writing 16 episodes of a show in one year. Like people telling me you have to do this by tomorrow has what what Dude, made it's... me realize you don't have to. Feel, especially when I work with Rob Schneider and he's the star of the show. Right. And I'm the the guy on the side. You know, I'm like the third writer and I'm the third cast member. So I'm like you know. I work, but he's the guy. And so yeah. we write when he feels creative. Yes. And so I've learned that he literally yesterday, I was I was crashing in his guest house and he knocked on the door at like eight in the morning and I, I had only slept for like six hours. And he was like, dude, let's write. Let's write right now. And I was so tired. I didn't want to get up. No. But we wrote like an awesome scene. Yeah. And so I am learning that just because you feel like writing doesn't mean that's when your best stuff comes out. I know. It's true. It's it's a lot of times you just have to be forced to do it. There has to be a due date. I was always the I would always wait till the last second for everything to to get stuff done. And when there's no due date, it's just not getting done. But yeah. if I if I'm like, "Oh, this has to be turned in tomorrow at 10." I'll stay up all night doing it. I'll wait till the last second, but I'll get it done. And it'll be like a a B. Yeah. And like you're saying with a transcript, that's because someone told you you had to do the transcript yeah. that you go, oh, my God, I'm a good I writer. That's right. I never sit down and write it otherwise. And, yeah, I, and I feel like 
the thing that I'm working on right now that no one – I'm pretty much telling no one about it except you and then I told Amy about it and my sister. OK. But <laughs> originally I was like I'm not telling anyone about it, the idea, like what I'm doing because I just – because I, I, re- I heard this thing of like when you talk about doing something, it convinces your brain that you've done it. So then you don't do Did it. Did you hear that on a podcast? Yes. Me too. Yes. I love so that. So I stopped talking about doing things and um, – that's really When I need encouragement, though, I'll tell, like, Amy something, and she'll be like, Nick, that's a fucking great idea. And that that gives me, like, a, lights a fire um, to do it. But it's uh, – motivation is a – it's a bitch. It's hard to be motivated. Yeah. And she's one of the most motivated people I've ever known. I don't know how she does it. She could just sit in her house and write. I'm like, I have to go somewhere. Yeah. Like Starbucks. I, I, I'm one of those people that's like sitting there writing a script in Starbucks and feels so lame. But I'm like, I just. Me too. I have to be somewhere else. I can't. There's too many. I don't feel comfortable at home doing it. Yeah. I'm guilty also of like being that guy that's like, if I buy the perfect notebook, oh I'm going to be able God. to write How this. How many like, notebooks have I bought in my life being like, this is the one. Yeah. I could see this one filling up. And it looks like a <laughs> tattered velveteen rabbit or whatever at the end. This is going to be it. Amy's very confident. I think. The most confident person I've ever known. Has she just always been like that? Always. She's always – her whole life she's been that way. I mean I, I, reading her book like she she was always like this confident, outspoken, like thought she was God's gift kind of girl. Like because her parents filled her with that. And, um, and she said that she like when she went into like – you know, uh, kindergarten. She was just like, "I'm here, everyone!" Like she, had, like she was just like, "You've been waiting for me." And they're like, "Gross! You have curly bangs and a cat's in the musical. The cat's the musical sweatshirt." Is her joke? They're like, "No, thank you." And she had no idea that she wasn't like the most beautiful, perfect, talented. So she's she's always had that kind of. So her parents sort of like set her up for that. And she doesn't she doesn't walk around thinking that she's the best. It just is like she's okay. In her own skin. Like, uh, she's hanging out with her for a week. Uh, that's That made me realize, because I get a lot of girls, and I think men too now, just hate their bodies constantly and are always feeling uncomfortable in their own skin and they can be better. But hanging out with her for a week in Hawaii in our swimsuits and how comfortable she was and how much she loves herself and, like, and how beautiful I think she is and... And how she doesn't give a fuck. It like it was the best. It was like rehab. It was like body image rehab. Wow. Coming because coming back from why I was like I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about the way I look as long as I like myself and feel good in my own skin. And it really was like and that made me realize. And I've since been telling girls this: get anyone out of your life who's talking about dieting constantly or that I hate my I hate this like. It all adds up to make you feel shitty about yourself. And looking at tabloids, looking at celebrities being skinny, surround yourself with people who like themselves, and then you will also. Yes. And that was – I never thought it was something that was so caused by the outside. I always thought it was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right about how I feel about myself. But it's just based on who you're around. Yeah. My favorite quote from a podcast in, ever is that you are the average of the five people that you are with. Oh, my God. That is it. And That's it. they did research that you really are like you end up like your how much money you make every year, how much you weigh, how much what you think about. They did like this big wow. study that it's really true. And if you think about it, like and especially during transitions in your life when you were drinking and you hung out with these people versus now you hang out with Amy, yes. it's, it's so crazy. That's a really that is so interesting because it's 
it is. You got to get toxic people out of your life, and I think that it's it's so fresh. My I was back home this past weekend, and I my mom was getting dressed for like a wedding she had to go to, and I heard her in her dressing going, "You are disgusting. I'm fucking disgusting. I fucking hate myself." And I was just like, "Hey, can you not talk about my mom that way?" And she was like, "Nikki, I'm not talking <laughs> to you because I give her a lot of shit about how she hates herself." She's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself. And I go, yeah, but why don't you treat yourself like you would maybe talk to me about my body? Like, try to try that. And she goes, I don't know what the fuck you're talking. Like, she was just like so. She lo- and I'm like, no wonder I turned out the way I am. The way you talk about yourself, mm-hmm. you are a 60 year old woman who hates herself. What is that like? I hope to God I like myself. Uh, like, I love myself by the time I'm your age. Yeah. What would that? That would be hell. That's terrible. To hate yourself for 60 years. And it sounds like she's not, she's not like, receptive to... She doesn't, no. She just is like, this is just the way it is. And, like, no, would never, doesn't take my advice about... And I've told her she needs therapy before. I was like, you should talk to someone because she was going through something. I go, you should talk to someone about that. You should maybe go see a therapist. She goes, why would you say that to me? Like, I called her a cunt or something. She takes therapy as, like, uh, that is such an insult to be told you need therapy. And does I'm she like, know you go to therapy? Yeah. She, but she... But my therapist kind of turned me against my mom in a way and, like, made me – not turn me against, but, like, made me see things that made me draw boundaries with my mom where I'm like, you can't drink in front of me anymore, ever. So if you want to drink, you can. I'm just not going to be around. And my mom hated that. Mm. But I was like, but I'm not telling you not to drink. I'm just saying if you want to, me to be there, you can't drink. She's like, this isn't fair. What about your sister's wedding? And I'm like, okay, fine, you can drink there. And, of course, she drank there and it was a big fucking mess. But – um. Yeah, so she's – I think she thinks that therapists just turn you against your parents, which they do. Right. Do they? Oh, yeah. I've been dying to go to – and I swear it was partly because I, – I, You don't when, go to therapy? No, and I probably should. Dude, go to therapy. You will love it. Yeah? You are so – you would – it's – yes. You – it's so good because you realize – the why the way you think is because of this, and you thought it was because of this, but it's actually because of this. So, like now, for instance, I, there are times when out of nowhere I'll just be like, "You're fat. I'm fat," and hate myself, and just be like, "I'm fat." Has nothing to do with that. I'm fat. I'm just depressed. So mm-hmm. my my therapist has taught me to think when I think I'm fat, just go to what are you sad about? What else is going on? And so then this is just not it anymore. It's just a mask. And so I'm not even – I don't think about the fat thing anymore. I just go, okay, you're depressed. You poor thing. You're feeling sad and you're beating yourself up. It's taught me like these like – Wow. Just little uh, tricks to – Is this like my – when you sent me the the book yes. and then it changed? Is this my next – got to get in therapy. And here's the thing is a lot of people go to a therapist and they're like, this one sucked and – so it's not for me. It's like it might take you four people to go through. It's like dating. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just give up because the first experience is what was bad. But, you know, ask for referrals from people who have great lives. That's what I do. I'm always like, who's your therapist? That's a great idea. And then they go, no one. I'm like, your parents? <laughs> what did your parents do? They raised you so well. Oh, no. Wow. Okay. I, I will. I promise you I will try that. I'm going I'm to yeah. have some accountability. Oh, my God. You will love it. And as someone with a family and you're sober and – there's a lot of shit you need to talk to someone about who has no n- no judgments coming in and is not, you know, you need someone to talk to who isn't your wife, who isn't your kids, who isn't your brother, who is just mm-hmm. neutral. It's so good. I'm going to do it. Do, do you think that with uh, – because, man, this is my toughest. With with drinking, you're, you're literally like just instead of going – 
oh, I'll face life. Like you just instead, like you sort of put a pause button. You sort of blur. Because I did like this radio job I didn't love for five years, but I was drunk and hungover every single day. Yeah. And then the minute like I stopped drinking, I was like, oh, wow. Like I need these feelings of how unhappy I am to make me quit and then do this other job. Like you're these yes. negative feelings are like you need them. That They're there for a reason. Like. How did you – did you have trouble – like the, the flooding of all the stuff you put on pause when you were – Yeah, and that's why I got into therapy because I started binging and then I was like doing some bulimic stuff. And I was like, this is a slippery slope. Like because I, I had been anorexic before and I was always like, I'm never going to throw up. I, that's not my kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a better eating disorder person. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the right. clean eating disorder people. And then I started – I was binging so much that I would make myself sick and I was throwing up and I was like – Girl, something's got to get – like you're going to – this is not good because I wasn't drinking. But again, I was binging and purging. So that's when I was like I need to get into therapy to talk to someone about this because it was just too much stuff that was painful coming up. And you're right. It's like that – I didn't realize drinking was such a way to just like, OK, I'm just going to not deal with this till tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like all the problems go away. And then they're just all there waiting for you and then you have a headache with them. Then you drink again. And you drink again. I mean, I would be like, let's get blackout tonight. Mm-hmm. Who says that? That's crazy. That's crazy. To just be like, I want to not know that I'm alive. <laughs> I love Nick uh, Nick Griffin's joke about Nick Griffin's the greatest. About how they're tiny suicides. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I love naps so much in like a way that is not healthy at times. Ama- they're amazing. You, I'm going to have I, – I, I can't believe I didn't think to talk to Nick. For this, oh yeah! I, it, it, so I'm, I usually ask who should I interview on the podcast? Hmm. Maybe probably Nick. Nick, who else? God, there are so many people that have uh, any comedian. <laughs> yeah, just any. Wow, you really got me thinking here. Are you going to New York? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've I got a couple people sober in New York. Joe really? List, Dan Soder. Joe List is on my list of people. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. Um, I just found out that we actually do have a session coming in. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. No worries, man. A couple more minutes and wrap it up. Coming in actually in 10 minutes. Okay, you got it, man. No worries. <laughs> no worries at all. You know what I thought was going to happen, Dimitri? I swear to God. I uh, thought we you were going to say that we weren't recording. Yeah, this is all just practice. And I was going right? to just, I was literally going to just start crying. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, like, we didn't record, and I was going to just – I don't know what I would have done. You know, I would have been okay with it. but I mean, obviously, I'd want it, but it's just uh, having a nice conversation with my friend. That's true. Is still – I still got that out of it. Do you know how happy I am that you said in this – I'm like a maniac. Like, I called my friend just before you came, and I was like, I'll bet Nikki's not even going to come. I thought, <laughs> but it wasn't because I thought you would, like, blow me off. I was like, something's going to go wrong, and this just – like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I have – I always feel like – and I was so psyched when you texted me. You know, yeah. and then, then I find out during this podcast, if you didn't want to do it, you would have told me you didn't want to do it because you tell people. Yeah, I, that's a big thing. It's podcasts I've been turning down all over town because I don't – they're such time sucks. Yes. I mean, they're two hours out of your day and you got to drive to it and drive back. If you don't want to do it, don't do it because you will just resent the whole experience. And so now I pick and choose like I because I'm here because I want to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. And I did forget my wallet, and I think I threw my wallet in the trash last night when I was cleaning out my car. And so I'm walletless. So you're freaking out right now? No. You're not. You, I got to go to therapy. This is this. (laughs) I'm so jealous of everything that's happening right now. I mean, it sucks, but it's just like, yeah, there's worse things. Wow. And so for the audience, where where can people find you and what's next? 
I don't know what's next, but they can find me on Twitter at Nikki Glazer, uh, NikkiGlazer.com. I'm traveling around and awesome. Yeah, just Google me. I have one more question. What about um, best piece of comedy advice or life advice you've ever gotten, and who is it from? Best piece of comedy advice. I remember Doug Benson telling me that when you are traveling to take that bed skirt off, like that thing that goes across the bed, they don't wash that. So never lay on the bed when the top thing is on. Always strip that. So I thought that was really good. That's great. It was kind of like when someone told you, like, move the mic stand behind you. Yes. That's the move the mic stand of hotels. Yes. Where it's just like, oh, the simple thing that someone can tell you and it's like changes everything. Uh, Another one is to, in a hotel just for fun, um, to put your remote in a plastic bag. Oh. In the plastic bag that the ice bucket has. So there's already a plastic bag there. Put it in the plastic bag, tie it, and then you can use a remote and it's clean through the plastic bag. That's really good. Great idea. That's a really good one. Oh, okay. Um, and then best life advice. Oh, that's a good um, – I think that's such a good question. What's your best life advice? I don't even know, like – my favorite one is the is kind of the one I not just th- say average. the exact same thing. I think about all of the time, be near people that you want to be. I, I guess I'll change it to to do something new. Yeah. If you want to do something, find someone that did it and do some of the things that they did because they've already made mistakes. Yes. They've already. Fa- I, I love. I I think about that when things are when I'm when I'm in a good. I guess something that's really helped me is that like mistakes. You don't. I've always beat myself up for mistakes, and now I've learned to, when I make mistakes, to be like, oh, so this, you won't do it again. And to yeah. forgive myself and to almost be like, like, I remember I spilled water on a new laptop once, and I was like, oh my God, like, I'm the fucking dumbest person. I wanted to cut myself. I was just like, you need to punish yourself. I remember walking down the street and wanting a dog to bite me, because I was just like, you oh deserve it. You're such an asshole. Oh my God. But then my therapist goes, but you lost your computer. Wasn't that punishment enough? And I'm like, Yes. That's such a good point. I'm already that suffered. That, that I should now be gentle with myself and say, you poor thing. You spilled water on your computer. That sucks. I, instead of being like, you dumb bitch. You know, like yes. I have my mom's voice in my head. And you also had some good advice earlier, which is you should have told yourself, how would you treat – like if I was sitting here and I knocked this water onto my laptop. How would you treat – You wouldn't tell me I'm an, I'm an idiot. No. You, you would go like, dude, that totally sucks. A beloved child. Treat yourself like a beloved child. I love that. Nikki, you're awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to episode two of the I Quit podcast. I certainly learned a lot in that interview. I learned that I am not a very good interviewer. Sometimes I whisper talk and other times I don't even listen to what the guest is saying because I'm trying to think of my next question. I will work on that and I hope you learned something from that conversation. I truly enjoyed it. And please tune into episode three where I talk to legendary radio host and interviewer, the great Ron Bennington. 